Hello, friends. Welcome back to Just the Good Stuff. This is your host, Rachel Mansfield, and this is the last episode of the podcast for the year. And we are going out with what might actually be the best, most special episode that I have ever shared. Today's guest is my father, Joe Mansfield, the first love of my life and someone who is extremely special to me, my husband, and my kids. You may know him as Papa from my Instagram stories, since that's what my kids refer to him as. To me, he is the man who has all the answers, the guy who hustles for everything he gets, and the most hardworking human that I've ever met in my life. I don't think of myself as like the quintessential daddy's girl because we don't have that type of relationship. My dad and I have even more of like a special bond. We are so in sync with one another. I am very blessed to have the relationship I do with both him and my mom. And you will hear it firsthand in this episode and you'll see why he is such a big part of my life. I think this episode is truly inspirational and filled with so many life lessons. I personally cannot wait to listen back to it. I don't listen back to very many episodes, but this one I am very excited to listen to. I hope you enjoy this episode as much as we loved having this conversation. Let us know what you think. And I wish you all a happy and deliciously healthy holiday season. I'll talk to you again in 2024. This week's episode is sponsored by a brand I use every single day that you guys 100% know about, Element. Now, I personally am a big hot chocolate kind of girl. Growing up, it was my beverage of choice in the winter, topped with mini marshmallows, only the mini marshmallows, of course, and we'd make it almost every single night. Actually, my dad and I, funny enough. I actually just got my kids also their very first one this past weekend, and they loved it so much, except they really liked it more like cold hot chocolate. So cold chocolate, I guess you could say. But okay. Anyways, back to Element, which is the brand spelled L-M-N-T, just launched a new chocolate medley of three flavors, you guys. They have chocolate mint, chocolate chai, and chocolate raspberry, which are giving off full hot chocolate vibes without all the sugar. Plus they're hydrating us while also satisfying our sweet beverage craving. I personally swear by Element for hydration, especially while nursing for my milk supply, and Element does it right. Jordan and I both use it daily for hydration, but has electrolytes, magnesium, potassium, and unlike other hydration packets on the market, it's not filled with sugar and junk and like all these other things that we don't need. I just want the hydration. I want the magnesium. I want the potassium, the electrolytes. I want to feel good and I want it to taste good. If you want to try Element, head on over to drink lmnt.com slash Rachel, R-A-C-H-E-L, and you will get a free gift with your purchase. It's like a free sample pack. It is amazing. So you can try all the flavors. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T.com slash R-A-C-H-E-L. It's also linked in the show notes for you for a free sample pack with any purchase and Do not stop listening yet because I am also doing a giveaway with Element this month where someone can win the Element branded electric tea kettle, an Element chocolate medley kit filled with 30 packets where you could try the three flavors I just told you about. And all you have to do is to enter is rate and review the podcast on iTunes and Spotify. Send me a DM with a screenshot of your review and I will message the winner at the end of December. So plenty of time to enter. Don't forget. And... After you enter the giveaway, just go order this anyways, because it's a limited time flavor drop. Okay. Love you guys. Let's dive into today's episode. I'm excited. So am I. This is our first in-person interview besides like me and you Uh, chatting. um, Yeah. In a long time, probably since you first started the podcast. Well, luckily I was available to come in in person. Fortunately, fortunately you were available. Although you were hard to logistically coordinate just because we didn't want to interview you when the kids were home. Yeah. That could be an issue. Yeah. Like they don't know you guys were coming. So like it would have been hard, but all of our guests are via zoom. So you'd be a lot of knocks at that door. Knocks. I mean, you were on a call the other day and the kids were screaming and like it was with Godana's and they like heard the kids in the background. It wouldn't have happened. Yeah. (laughs) That's why I was like 12 PM sharp. You got to get this going. But I'm pumped. I'm excited. So am I. This is gonna, so be, am I. This is gonna be my second favorite interview yet. Um, <laughs> <laughs> 
tied for first. That's a good one, Rach. Save there. Thank you. Um, I'm sitting here with the two loves of my life, my mom and my dad. Oh, I really got fucked on that. And, um, <laughs> the two blood loves yeah, of my life. Yeah. My mom. No, no, because I'm like, I got my kids. I got a lot of people. Yeah, you should just stop talking. Okay. Yeah. Okay, you you open you you open up. No, you open up. You this told me to stop talking as a podcast. Oh, I mean, stop talking about this uh, blood well, relation of your loves. I'm excited. We're interviewing my dad today. The man, the myth, the legend, Seth. I was on Seth's birthday today. What? <laughs> I thought you were calling Daddy Seth. No, no, it's so it's Rachel my it's our no. I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't, I wouldn't degrade you like that. Oh my, God. horrible. Kidding. So I called Seth this morning for his birthday, and I'm telling him I'm interviewing you, and he's like. Oh, can you send it to me when it's ready? I'm like, have you heard of Spotify and yeah. iTunes? He said the same thing to me. I was like, oh, yeah, okay, Seth, I'll send it to you. I told him to fuck off. I was like, <laughs> no, he's like, I want to listen to it before anyone else. I'm like, I'm not even going to listen to it before anyone else. So I'm excited. We, we like have a, we have a lot of questions. Yeah, I'm really curious. I saw you had that post on Instagram and I was thinking about your audience and then like, what are the questions they'd want you to ask of your dad? You know, this 60-year-old male, like, who cares, so to speak? So, I'm really curious about what questions they came back with. Never mind the yeah. questions that you put together. Yeah. It's a good mix of, like, Jordan's questions, my questions, topics. I spoke to Lisa Gallo this morning. Oh, wow. And she was telling me everything that, like, she's like, well, from my perspective, this is what I would want to listen to. This is the chronological order you should go in. Interesting, because you would think uh, after, you know, 30-plus years, you would know everything about me. So the questions you have are probably have been addressed throughout the years. Yeah. Well, so I do, but like not everyone does. And I think yeah. that this is like also like something special for like our family to have. So like when Ezra and Brody and Cooper are yeah, older, like the cool they part. can like go back and like listen to something like this, which I think is something like really special because like I, when I talked to that psychic medium that I'm like, like, what's your grandfather's name? Like, I don't even, it's yeah. just so hard to keep tabs on family, but I feel like now this day and age. Yeah, it's a great point. You know, it's easier to everything's on your phone. It's in like it's in a cloud. It's just such a different generation. So And plus the kids will say, Podcast? What's up? What's a podcast? Oh God, that <laughs> Probably. It's gonna happen. So weird. So weird. Okay. So do you wanna no, you do you wanna don't. open up? Okay. Fire it out. So we're gonna dive into your your background in early life. Um, which I do think could be an episode in and of itself, but that it could, that it could, I know. So first question, tell us who you are and where you are at currently in life. I'm not going to say good question because everyone overuses that, uh, description. So who am I? So husband, a father, grandfather, proud of being all of those super excited and get such love and fulfillment from those uh, roles in my life. Uh, recently retired after a 35 plus year working in the uh, biotechnology field and uh, the transition to retired life has been absolutely awesome. And I think that's because I had mentally prepared for the disengagement probably six or 12 months ago. And I have so many other interests beyond just work. Work never really defined me. So making this transition into retired from work, but not like retired from life, because I have so many other things that I believe describe me, fulfill me, that the work almost gotten away to an extent, right? So the retirement part of my life right now is just absolutely outstanding. So that's kind of a little bit about me. Well, you're also like a young retired person, retiree, retiree, like 60. And you kind of, um, I was flabbergasted when I got that phone call at two o'clock in the afternoon on a Monday, uh, coming off of a vacation. And it was like shocking because you're someone who's, you know, you've worked your entire life, like at such a young age. Yeah. So I think it's like awesome what you've been able to do. And I want to dive into like, and we're going to talk about your career, but I want to talk about your, your past a little bit. Sure. So I think that like social media in and of itself is guilty of 
making people think that everyone's lives are like heart stars and rainbows. And I don't yeah. think that like many people from an outside perspective will like look into the lens of, of social media or picture of you or, and think like that guy had more chutzpah than anyone like I've ever met. Yeah. So can you dive into like a, a, a brief background of like kind of how you grew up and how it wasn't, you know, silver spoon? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Um, how long is this podcast? <laughs> I know. That's, I was like, this could be in and of itself. Yeah, let me try episode. to be as distinct yeah. uh, as possible. And you don't have to like overshare, but just like what yeah. you're Yeah, no, no. I, I think it's worth sharing because I think a lot of individuals that I get to know uh, personally, both in my personal life as well as professional life, I think a lot are rather, I don't say shocked, but kind of caught off guard by my upbringing. So I come from a, you know, kind of a, I'll say lower middle class family raised by uh, two individuals in, in a house where we had a lot of love, but a significant amount of dysfunction. I won't get to the details of that, but I was raised in a way where, you know, and I always think back, you learn from the bad as much as the good. And that's the one thing I always focused on. I think it was a gift that I was born with because I always had the even at times when things weren't going great for my mom and my dad and my siblings and all this massive dysfunction, I could reflect upon the positive parts of my life and that would energize me through the not so positive parts of my life. And I was always able to deal with adversity, deal with all kinds of issues that others I think would have been, let's say crushed by but really negatively impacted, those were motivators to me. So I always knew going growing up what I was not going to be, what I was not going to do. And I'll share a story. And I'll, you know, my mom would, always, would share this as well. When I was a little kid, I always would want her to take me for a drive to look at the nice houses in the town that we lived, right? And we used to drive out east out to the Hamptons. And I would look at these homes and think, oh my God, this is incredible. Hopefully someday I'll have a piece of that. And that was always the drive, the motivator. And uh, it was interesting because when my parents got divorced, I was probably 12, 13 years old. And uh, you know, as much as people say, oh my God, your parents are divorced. I was in a way kind of elated because now you knew they can go about their lives where they want to pursue their lives. And then when my dad left, my mom really relied on me as sort of the man of the house. So as much as others may have been crushed by that or negatively impacted, to me, it gave me the opportunity to do things at a much accelerated rate. So I had a lot of responsibility, cut the grass, take care of the house, 13, 14 years old, right? So my friends were going about doing their different activities. I had a list of things I had to do around the house before I had to do, I could do these activities. Not that my mom would burden me with all kinds of stuff, but the cool part about it was she also treated me like someone far older. So like I didn't have curfews. I mean, I had such freedom. It's amazing. I never got into you know, any kind of major trouble, at least on the record. Um, <laughs> but it was just as interesting. I had so much freedom. So she treated me like I was a 20 year old because her thing was to whom much given, much is expected. And she believed that by giving me all this responsibility, the correlating freedoms should come along with that. So it was, it was an interesting way, her approach to bringing me up. I was a young adult, but she treated me like an adult, if that makes sense. Like I was never babied, never pampered at all. So that's kind of a long-winded way of kind of my upbringing. And you think you realize that? while you're going through it? Or is that something now when you reflect back that it just sort of naturally fell in that way? I think I was just incredibly gifted to be able to deal and tolerate some of the stuff I had to deal with. Because you, know, you watch these movies now, you read about these different actors and actresses and just people in general life. And you see some of the adversity they have and how it just crushes them. And I'm thinking to myself, what do you mean? What's the big deal? Right. So it almost you come insensitive to it because you think everyone can deal with it the way you dealt with it. Yeah. So I truly believe it was a gift. And I, I'm just just incredibly lucky to have that kind of resiliency. And I guess the word would be a stamina or perseverance. 
So nothing came easy, right? But I think once you got the things that you felt you deserved, there was a sense of fulfillment and a tremendous amount of reward what you were able to achieve. Well, it's interesting because you didn't, and I, I don't know your parents, obviously, when they, when you were being raised, but like your two siblings are nothing we're, and we're nothing like you. So oh, yeah, I, yeah. I couldn't agree more that it, from my perspective, it seems to be like just something, your, your genetic makeup, your DNA, something in your yeah. head, you're wired yeah. a certain way. Yeah. That like you're like an eternal optimist, sometimes to a fault where like yeah. you Agreed. are overly like hopeful or positive. And I'm like, hello, come to planet Earth. Like, yeah. it's not going to be like that. But it's just to me, mind boggling that you have that perspective with like the adolescence. You yeah, know, I never you took no. You know, if, if someone said you can't do that, I'd say, bullshit, I'll show you how you can do it. And that was way all through my life. And I think about even entering, you know, the career working in pharmaceuticals, I remember I have a very non-traditional background. So when I first landed a job, I'm in this training class and you have pharmacy majors, business majors, high GPAs. I went to school at night. I worked in the Teamsters Union during the day for like six and a half or so years. By the time I actually finished school, I was married already, owned a home. So although I was only a couple of years older than some of these, you know, these colleagues I was joining this company with, it was such a different, I was in such a different place in life. And I truly believe my perspective was vastly different because it, nothing was handed to me by having to work, you know, 40, 50 hours a week. So I was in a Teamsters union and I'm trying to establish myself financially. So you have all this overtime opportunities. You had school, depending upon the semester, two or three nights a week. And I used to bartend one or two nights a week. So literally, when I would, you know, the weekend came and I was dating uh, mommy at that point, you know, we'd go out for dinner on a Friday night. And I remember, you know, we'd shows like Dallas Beyond, Knott's Landing, one of my favorite shows, Miami Vice. Uh, you know, I could barely make it through these shows because I'd been up probably to two or three o'clock in the morning that Thursday, right? Getting three hours of sleep and then going to work the next morning, right? So the the, the pace in which I, I lived my life. I don't know if it was sustainable, but it made me that much more appreciative when I actually got the opportunity to join this company. And I remember very clearly stating to the hiring manager, you have a whole gauntlet of interviews, right? And one thing I emphasized was how non-traditional my path was to that interview, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And I would say, listen, people are going to out test me, but you know, test scores be far higher, probably much greater IQs. But I said, I can tell you right now, and please just don't take this the wrong way. I can guarantee you no one's gonna outwork me. And that I believe was able to to you know convince these other individuals. Here's this individual that you know went to a you know, crappy state school at night. Yeah. And all of a sudden you're competing for this job, this coveted job against all these, you know, I'd say highly educated, you know, just very capable individuals. And I was just insistent upon the fact that I needed them to know just enough about me that no one's going to outwork me. I didn't get into my past. No one really gives a crap at that point in time. But the thing is, no one's going to outwork me. And I proved myself through my entire career that way. Where did you get all that confidence from? I just, I would say, it's interesting. Where did that come from? <laughs> it's not that I was... I was highly confident and I'm going to, have to kind of, I'm thinking out loud. So it's not so much about being confident or cocky. You know, it's about believing in your ability because not everything I did that I do incredibly successful, but I know for a fact that what I did attempt to do was put everything I had into what I was going to do. And I felt confident in my ability to overcome any kind of obstacles that I was going to face going into the career and other things, mm-hmm. right? Uh, so it's one of those things you have to really, I don't know where it comes from. I truly believe that it's something you're born with, you know, genetically. You can develop people that have confidence, right? But I think, I think of all these, you know, great, you know, actors, actresses, you know, business people, you know, athletes that come from pretty crappy backgrounds, right? Maybe didn't have all the, the God-given gifts, but they achieved so much. 
So there's something in the way they're wired to make them believe in themselves. And I think I go back to that resiliency, to perseverance, no kind of meaning, maybe, in most cases, yes. Right? And I think that's, that's either you're wired that way or not. I don't think you can develop someone to have that level of drive. So is there like an inspiration or a role model that you had growing up that sort of like was your North Star kind of guided you that way? Hmm. I would say my mom. Yeah. My mom played a huge role in my life through thick and thin. She was always there to support me. And I see also my dad, as much as, you know, you know my, my dad fought his own demons, there was still there, there was never a moment where you didn't feel good about yourself in the company of both my mom and dad, right? Although they had their own little, you know, I'll say, you know, internal demons and challenges they were facing, you always felt confident in what you were doing because no matter what you did, you were told that was really good, right? And you know, my dad, I think about all the skills I have right now working around the house and just being, I'll say, handy, right? Those are life lessons that I think so many you know, young men and young ladies today just aren't exposed to, right? And maybe it was just by accident that it happened that way because, you know, we had very, you know, really wasn't a whole lot of money. So you need a new, you know, transmission in the car. Guess what? You went to the junkyard, got a transmission, put a transmission in, need a roof on a house. You know, my uncles, my grandfather came out, put a new roof on a house, right? So if you're raised in that kind of environment, I, I think there are lifelong skills that you never forget. And it's and the challenge, I think, is that as you get as you get older, your kids get older, and if you're lucky and successful financially, how do you keep your children grounded? Right. And obviously Seth is gonna to listen to this at some point, and Rachel, you're obviously staring right at me. What I tried to do in the house was make sure everyone had responsibilities. Right. You know, I could hire a landscaper. We had the means to do it. Why? I'm going to cut my own grass. I'm going to do my own stuff around the house. Right. I just, to me, it, it was almost insulting to have a, a person come into my house to do things I knew for a fact I was far capable to do. Plus, there's a sense of pride of doing it. And as you get older, and my, I remember my dad, as he got older, there were certain things he didn't want to do anymore. He'd done it so many times. Like, yeah, I proved myself I can do it. I'm going to hire someone to do it. So you, you, you'll get to that point. But I think in your 20s and 30s and 40s, when you're raising your family, there are examples you really need to provide to your children. Again, it's, it's not that everyone has to do this, but it's the way I, I believe that it, it shows them that there are things that you could do and not to rely on people from the outside. And it's a sense of pride that you get from completing these tasks and, and these projects in your own home with your own hands. <laughs> like growing up, like it, I just never really realized how much was done to like run an efficient household. Like I didn't even know that like, you could hire someone to like paint a room. Like if someone needs something needs to get painted, like you painted it. I didn't like I, you know, I think when you're starting to not love mowing the lawn, like I was told to mow the lawn. Um, <laughs> like I didn't know that you outsourced things. Yeah. Like I feel like you've always, you know definitely done things yourself and had yeah. mom, and you like execute things together yeah. like not just you know you could have paid for someone to do something but you did it yourself and you're just like always so motivated which is just so inspiring because you just like never from my perspective you never seem to have like burnout which like is I just feel like I'm constantly running on adrenaline and I'm like waiting for the ball to drop one day or yeah. the pin drop where like the adrenaline runs out but I feel like your adrenaline just like has never run out, which is just insane to me. Like, I just don't, like, you just like don't get tired. Yeah. I, 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 and I think a big contributing factor to that was a very conscious decision that I made to always have balance in my life. I always had passions, right? I think everyone here knows I've always been into motorsports, right? So when I was younger, you know, racing motorcycles and, you know, all these different things and, you know, family didn't have the wherewithal to pay for all this stuff, but I got a taste of it. So as my career began to accelerate and I had the means to do so many things, I almost went back ahead of my second childhood, went back into racing motorcycles in my early thirties, right? And I always made sure that my, my job never defined me. I want to make sure I was always into, you know, health, you know, fitness, 
all kinds of sporting activities. And the motorsports was a big part, doing the motorcycle racing. Hell, I mean, how many guys go back into it in their 30s, right? Did that for you know, a few years. And then after all these different injuries, got into car racing, did that. So when I went to work on Monday, my Saturdays and Sundays had not been devoted about what's going to happen at work on Monday. I couldn't care any less about what's going to happen on Monday. I had the balance of my life. And I think I've been able to do a good job of navigating that all through having children, never having just one thing identify me. You know, work was important. You know, my, my, my family was super important. I want to be a good husband. I want to be a good dad, right? A good provider, yeah. all these different things. And those are pressures that I think all, you know, men and, and, and today women face the, the, the challenges. But it's one where I think if you're all in on just on one thing, you lose out on the other thing. So if you don't have that balance, I think it's too lopsided and it, it's very difficult to navigate that. And a lot of people can't. Yeah. Uh, but I do think that you're able to, if you have the balance, you never had the burnout because you have other elements of your life that bring you joy. Like I go to the weight, I'm 60 years old and I'm still, you know, I'm still a gym rat. I love going to the gym. I go to the gym. I don't listen to music. I listen to myself. I talk to myself. I set personal goals. I get, I leave the gym after an hour, hour and a half. I got a, my whole day could turn to shit, but I had a good time working out that morning. I just don't care about the rest of the stuff. And I think if you have those those different sources of fulfillment in your life collectively, they make you that much, I'll say, happier as an individual. Not to say that it's all puppy dogs and ice cream, right? Yeah. But it's one that you, if you have multiple elements that bring you happiness and fulfillment, I think the odds of you having kind of burnout, I, I think are truly, truly reduced or minimized. So let's just quickly jump back to your career and maybe just give a very brief overview of you know what you did for 35 years as a profession. Sure, sure. So, and it's interesting because it's one where I had a, I mean, a pretty successful career and it wasn't one that you know, I grew up and I, I want to be a, you know, work in the pharmaceutical industry. I remember when I was going to school at night and thinking about, okay, I'm getting close to graduation. What am I going to do? And I kept hearing about all these uh, opportunities in the life sciences industry, whether it's diagnostics, device, or in pharmaceuticals. And I was like, well, I'll try pharmaceuticals. And I am interviewing for a couple of different opportunities, didn't, didn't get an opportunity for whatever reason. But I, I, I met an individual out of an office in uh, Fort Lee. Her name was Barbara Michaels. I'm not sure if she's still alive, but I tell you what, this woman, her and I hit it off. And keep in mind, this was 1989. You know, you didn't have like cell phones, right? Uh, you were still using a typewriter. So the type of communication then was different than it is today. I couldn't send her a text, right? So I had to go to a payphone in the factory in which I was working. I used to call her and I, I, I think I just kind of wore her out about saying, Barbara, I can tell you right now, I will not embarrass you. All I need is for you to believe that I can get in front of someone to get the opportunity. So I ended up joining a company called Stewart Pharmaceuticals, division of ICI. And I won't bore you with all the details, but I was able to rise through the ranks, but not probably as fast as others, but it was a personal choice because I was a young dad and, I, and getting to my point earlier about balance, I didn't want to take that corporate position where you're going to be working, you know, 10, 12 hours a day in an office, driving a half hour, 45 minutes to the office. Because a lot of the individuals that I knew that had pursued that path, they were effing miserable. Okay. Because that whole, their whole life was stuck in that, that, that bricks and mortar structure. So I always pushed away from those opportunities and took other positions that were remote that did require some, you know, headquarter responsibility. So it took me longer to get to where I wanted to get, but you know, and, and kind of going through the ranks you know, in, in, in the biotechnology field, worked for some large companies, medium, small, like startups, and, and I think it's it's a personality trait, and uh, I think you know, mommy would certainly agree with this. Is I've always wanted stability in my life, but I was never afraid to take risk. I have no fear of heights. I would jump a motorcycle 30 feet in the air, 40, 50 feet in distance. I'll race a car at 180 miles an hour. 
I have zero fear. That switch, although it does exist, it takes me a long time for that switch to go off to say, oh boy, you're in an uncomfortable zone. But the anchor was the stability. And I think about like when I, I was able to get into these startup organizations, I was not adverse to go to these different companies that, you know, they could either be successful or completely fail. Right. So I was able to, over the you know, 35 years, have different positions with different types of companies. And, and the amazing part of all this was despite putting the long hours in. I never was burnt out by it. I got such fulfillment. And in a big part of my, my job, probably midway through my career, maybe even earlier, was kind of in leadership roles, right? Building teams, small teams, medium, large size teams. And the one thing that got it really motivated me was putting these teams together and the collective value that everyone brought to the team and the unity and the power in numbers to me was so motivating and getting in front of this group at your first meeting. You know, he's put this team together where it's a team of 25, 50, 75, 100. And when you finally get to the moment where you've, you put this whole team together and you look out, you have like this huge, huge family, right? To me, it's so motivating to see that, to feel it. And it's hard to describe for someone who's never done it. And then as you get to a point where you, you know, your product gets approved and you, you know, you're fully commercialized and you start to see the success, there's a, a level of fulfillment you get that's almost indescribable because you know that, listen, you, you picked the right talent, right? But you were able to create an environment that these individuals felt that they were empowered to do your, their job. You know, you didn't micro, I'm not a big micromanager. So, uh, and as, as my family would attest to, I'm not great at wiping noses, right? I'm just, I'm not that kind of person. But I gave those individuals the ability to believe in themselves, the resources to have success, and then got out of their way. And I was there to nurture them when they needed it, right? But was never there looking over their shoulder at every given moment. So if I look back over my career, I would hope that those that you know have worked with me would share in those same beliefs. So yeah, one thing about Joe, well, he was a straight shooter. He built very, very competent teams and he let us be who we needed to be. And he kind of you know, roughly create the, 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 the objective, what you want to achieve, the vision, but you can't have it so absolute, right? You have to allow them to be part of that, creating the vision as well. They're believing, they're, they're buy into it because then they're, they, they become, they're a piece of it. So when they get to that point, wow, it's something we built together. So I would describe my career as one where I was just incredibly successful. And I've got so, so many people to thank because in each different organization, there were multiple people that were there that gave me the opportunity for that success. And there were a multitude of people that helped contribute long days, you know, weeks, months, wait time away from their family to kind of join this mission and to achieve this really big objective that we had set forth. Do you have tips on for working parents that like from my so from my perspective you like shielded us from any ounce of stress, drama, even excitement that was going on in your career? <laughs> In your career, like I knew nothing. Like I knew that you worked, I knew that you worked in pharmaceutical sales, but yeah. like you really shielded us from your career and any part of your job. And to me, that's like really impressive that as your daughter, like you like shut off from your career when yeah. you were with us. Like, do you have tips for parents on like how they could shut off from their career to be like present with their children? Like, I feel like yeah. when you were away, you were away and you were home. Why are you rolling your eyes? Well, because I'm going to disagree with that because you were so young when we would go away on vacation or anywhere. Your father was constantly working. They can't hear you. Oh, they can't? No, you have to move. Yeah, so, yeah, so. It, no, no, it, like, yeah. so talk, talk into the microphone, you have to move. So you're saying that daddy shielded you and your brother. No, no, not, not the fact that he worked. Like if he might, like if he was stressed or if he was had a bad day at work, he didn't bring that oh, to yeah, our dinner absolutely. table. That's what I'm saying. I knew okay. that he worked. The guy busted his ass. Like, yeah. but if he, if, his, if your superior like had shit on you that day or like 
your drug didn't get the, it didn't get approved or you had like a really, you know, confrontational meeting with someone that were, you never brought that to the dinner table. It's and like, so you just easy. Shut it's off. so easy because I had so many early life experiences that were so much more traumatizing that when you had these bad experiences, I would yeah. th- not roll my eyes, but honestly, to, to put it, put it bluntly, who gave a shit, right? I just didn't give a shit. Yeah. So, and it's not that I didn't give a shit, but I didn't give a shit enough that it would ruin my day, my moment, my time. And, I've, and I, have, I, I think I have a pretty good gift to be able to box things up. Right. And I, you know, it takes a while to get there, but put in a box and put it away because now I have to be in this role. Right. Yeah. And I would not allow those roles to kind of roll into each other or blend into each other. Whether that's good, bad, or indifferent, it was my way to manage it. Trust me, there are many times I was highly, highly stressed. But I also believe in because I did so many things outside of work, whether it's going to the, the track and, and riding my motorcycle or getting into mm-hmm. go to the car and racing. If you think about it, I always chose things that you had to really be mega focused on. You know, if you're in a race car, you can't be thinking about what happened at work. It's true. The day before. And I think, I don't know if it was intentional or just ironically, I chose those activities. If I'm on a motocross track and, you know, doing laps. I can't be thinking about work. And I was able to really, you know, put the helmet on, whether it's a car or a motorcycle, and all the stuff was history. I didn't even think about that, you know? So perhaps it was that, or even I went to the weight room, right? I would, if I was frustrated, I tell you what, I was able to take that, that negativity, internalize it, and use that as sort of the fuel mm-hmm. for my training, I'd work out extra hard and I'd leave the gym and maybe I went to the gym thinking, oh man, I had this going on, that going on. Once I got my hands around some dumbbells or a barbell, the other stuff I just forgot about. I didn't care because now I'm in the moment. And I think that's, a, that's something, I think it's a gift. I think it genetically, um, I was just born with that ability to block stuff out completely and stay focused. And really focus. And trust me, you're focused, but there's little voices in your brain about other things. But I'm able to drown out those voices enough that I was able to focus on the, I'll say, the task at hand. And there are times that you're not successful at it, but for the most part, I was, luckily. All right. Now let's transition to what everyone's been waiting for. What's that? Your relationship with Rachel. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) How would you describe your relationship with Rachel? I would say that she is as close to me uh, in the way she is wired. Uh, obviously, genetically, it's a little bit different, right? Uh, yeah, it, it's, the relationship is one where we have so many shared ways of thinking about things. And, and I'm sure her friends and family are thinking, but you're so different in a lot of ways. Yeah, you're right. Listen, you know, mm-hmm. Not that she's a girl and I'm, and I'm a boy. That's not it. Just her interests were so vastly foreign to things that I had any interest in, right? It's one where I think the relationship, I believe, is super tight. We'll we have, we have a bond that nothing's ever going to separate or break because there are so many similarities, right? I could almost say I could focus on the things that where we're not similar. Rachel's not getting on a motorcycle, okay? She's not getting into a race car. She's not going into a gym and, and smashing weights around and everything else, right? Uh, she's not going to a golf course, right? But nothing, nothing that requires coordination. Yeah, but all the <laughs> other all the other things, and I'll go back to the 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 drive, right? How is she motivated? Comes internally. Right. And that's almost maybe it's a gift I passed on to her where she always had the innate ability to achieve the things that she wanted to achieve. Right. It wasn't about sports. I'm a big sports guy. Right. And I was blessed in my life having the balance of having, you know, another child having Seth where he was really into sports. Right. So that gave me such fulfillment in go kart racing, motorcycle racing, hockey, lacrosse, all different sports. And having those shared experiences with Rachel, the, the shared experiences was more of a, I'll say an emotional one, a connectivity that way, 
because I understood the way she was driven, the way she was wired about achieving great things. So I never, and I've been blessed where I never had a single doubt about her having success. And I remember when she was uh, in school and I'm, you know, you try to be a good dad and a good parent, I should say, and just try to provide some mentoring and, you know, what do you want to do? And all I knew was about basically life sciences. So, you know, I, I'd spoken to someone that I knew in the industry, you know, could you give her maybe an opportunity to kind of approve herself in an ad agency? And I had zero, zero hesitation to recommend her. Just, just, just have her do whatever you think she should be doing in the agency. And I knew she would make the organization proud, make me proud. And that, that I think, something I just I was gifted by. So I know a lot of other moms and dads, you know, the children drive them crazy, right? Different things, there's ups, there's downs. Not always confident in their ability to be successful. But there was never, ever a moment where I thought she was not going to have success, whether it was high school, college, right? Personal life. And look at her now. Hell, she's interviewing me. Right? Say so, a positive blood yeah. type. Yeah. Blood, yeah. You know. <laughs> I, joking. yeah. I, I only remember my blood type because it's the same as my dad's because it's a positive because we're perfect. Yeah. <laughs> that's why. That's why we have that blood type. Yeah. How would you say that I've evolved or like am I si- at a young age, am I like the same person as I am today personality wise or have I been someone who's really grown over the last three plus three plus decades. That's a good question. You have changed. You've evolved, right? As a young girl and a mature, you know, the, the woman, a, a mom, a wife, all these different things, right? And you've done so successfully. The, the core to all that was your, I'll say focus on success, but your ability to have success in all those different, I'll say, phases of your life. Right. So I look at you now, but I still think about the young lady who would argue with me over the stupidest of things. I can't remember. I can't even give you examples, but I say to myself, she does, she does not shut up. It's literally right. Ezra. She does not shut up. And, and, and I'm like, I used to give up. I was like waving the, the white flag. I give I, I, I'm like, you know what? All right, we're done. Sit. And I thought, I, 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 but she would just go on and on and on. So I always knew that. She had a high level of confidence, and although I guarantee you there are other things that she felt not so confident about, I think that genetically she had that ability to draw upon that inner sense of confidence that would overcome some of the other things that she was challenged with, you know, through her, uh, you know, elementary days in junior high school and high school and college. But that ability to believe in herself, I think, is what able was gave her the ability to achieve all those different things that she wanted to. And she didn't, she was, she didn't share. Like, you know, it's interesting when you think about when your children are, are, are age, you know, getting older and if those that play sports or certain activities where you can measure their success, whether it's gymnastics, field hockey, lacrosse, all the, you know, the, yeah. the sports that your friends play, dance, whatever, your achievements are a little bit different. It was all about you know, personal goals you were setting and take the athletic stuff completely to the side. You never, ever didn't achieve what you wanted to achieve. And that, that, so I was, I was, again, being the eternal optimist. Yeah. I felt the same way about your brother. Right, despite how many times mommy said, "Oh my God, what's going to happen to this kid? What's going to happen to this kid?" I'm like, "He's going to do fine. Yeah, he's going to do fine. He'll get there in his own his own time, his own pace. But we just have to continue to provide the support, the mo- and that's saying the motivation because you can't provide motivation. You can provide the support. You can support you know, supply the resources, and most importantly, you can supply the encouragement." Because they may do things that you think are completely ridiculous, completely stupid, but you have to have the ability to say, you know what? It's their life. They're doing it the way they want to do it. You have to become, get to a point to be comfortable enough to respect their decision making. And trust me, I struggled with that a lot. But I just bit my tongue, looked the other way, disappeared for a half hour, but I always gave them the ability to do what they wanted to do. But I like for me, like you were always so encouraging for everything I wanted to do. Like I failed epically at every sport and activity that I tried. Dance, gymnastics, soccer, basketball. Every I, I just didn't have like an activity that was like 
I was good at. And then I enjoyed field hockey, lacrosse. Like I tried sports camp. Art school. Art school. Like I literally (laughs) tried everything. I started like a game club in high school to like play board games because I love board games so much. But as someone like you who is like an adrenaline junkie, loves sports, so athletic, like you didn't care that I wasn't good at any of those things. You're like, okay, go get a job because I loved making money. Like I loved making money. I loved being able to like have that success. And I loved at that in high school, I started to really enjoy like food, like baking and doing all the things. So you both were like, go get a job, Rachel. Like you're kind of just coming home from school every day. You need to do something. And I worked, but you were always like encouraging about it. Like you didn't give a fuck that I wasn't good at throwing lacrosse. I do think that if I wasn't a girl, that would have been somewhat of like, Rachel, come on. I think you would push me a little bit more. I do think that like you were more, a lot more uh, intense with me than with Seth. When it came to like, if Seth threw the ball, like I did, I think you would have been like, no, we're going to keep practicing until you could throw the ball. But I think that because maybe you were just a little bit more patient with me and I didn't talk back as badly. So you didn't get as pissed off to me. I don't know, but you were very patient and encouraging with me yeah. as a daughter. I was far more intense with your brother only because he, and it's not an excuse, but he had such what I would describe as natural ability, eye-hand coordination, yeah, I balance. I mean, he was on a two-wheel bicycle. He wasn't even three years old. I spent all about 30 seconds teaching him how to ride a two-wheeler. He kept saying, let me go, let me go, we let me go. We learned on the same day. Yeah. I, was like I mean, six or seven. Yeah. And so he had so many skills, which I think at times can be a curse because when you do not have to struggle and things just come naturally, you don't have to work for it. It's just like, wow, it just comes naturally. And I think that's, that's what, you know, he used to drive me crazy about squandering such just great skills that I didn't have, right? I think yeah. as, as, a, as a young man, not being given those opportunities that when, you know, not that this podcast is about him, but me as, as, as a father and the challenges you, you, you're faced with, you, you know, you have a child that has all these skills and you're giving them the opportunity, yeah. right? I remember as a kid wanting a mini bike, wanting a go-kart, parents didn't have the money for it, right? And he's four years, three, yeah, three, fourth birthday, bought my motorcycle, right? She was and, so good at it. Yeah. And, and it's funny. So and you think, wow, you know, that, that, you know, but you, you just, you, you have to, and you, you learn to develop those patients and, and, and anything comes later and you realize just because they have the natural ability to be successful at something, it doesn't mean they have the passion and the drive to be successful at that. So as a parent, you have to step back. And it took, trust me, it took me a long time to figure that one out. But it's okay, you know, where natural ability or even ability corresponds or correlates with passion and drive, internal drive, that is the holy grail. And then whether it's professional work, it's your, your, your hobbies, whatever, is you wanting to do it and having the, the passion and, and just a commitment to do it. That to me is the holy grail. And as a parent, it took me a long time to figure it out. And I think with you, and I'm like, it's because it sounds so sexist, but it's as the girl, I, said, I, I couldn't yell at Jamie. I, I just didn't have, I couldn't do it if I wanted to. I think I just showed you more respect. It, it could have been. It might have been. Like, I was very respectful. Seth was not yeah. respectful. Like everyone knows that. I mean, we could do a whole podcast episode on Seth and his yeah. behavior as a child. But yeah. like, <laughs> I was very respectful. Like I always wanted the last word, but I never like told you to fuck off. Like I, you know. You, you, but you cried faster too. You, you were brilliant. Yeah, I have emotion. Where you and I are like yeah. different is like I have emotion. Like I like I'm really an emotional person. Yeah. I like I feel my feelings. Yeah. Which I think, you know, as I got older and learned like more about your past, like my feelings, you're probably like, why are you whining about this? This is not a big deal. You don't yeah, know what problems exactly. are. Like I have yeah. real problems, but yeah. like, you know, everything's relative. Yeah, like, I exactly. Think, I didn't know. Yeah. Agreed. So what was the most challenging part or is the most challenging part of having Rachel as your daughter? The most challenging part. You can share your most favorite part too, if you want. <laughs> yeah. We did that. You I would similar. say there's nothing, God, there's nothing challenging about it at all. I, I would say the challenging part is how do I keep, I don't say the streak going, but how do I remain like a, a real good you know, dad, father, when she doesn't need me as as much for a lot of things. And how do I transfer 
or redirect that energy to the boys, right? Without her thinking, wow, what about me? Right? So is that balance? Now, oh, having, they say what about me? Yeah. But, but, yeah, but having the three boys is great because I have, you know, it's just, it's great having these, 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 these wonderful, uh, you know, young men. And, but the challenge is how do you do all of that where she doesn't feel, I'll say, isolated or left out? Because I envision as the boys get older, I'll be doing a lot of different activities, you know, uh, but they're mostly testosterone infused activities, <laughs> right? Yeah, don't yeah. to paint a picture. My dad and Seth, my brother, have gone on, I don't know, two dozen trips together one on one. And I'm getting 33 and a half in a couple of weeks. And I've never gone on a one-on-one trip with my father because we, we, we got to find it. We yeah, got to do something. I know. Like we, you know, we went to a concert, a couple of things, but like, I'm like, I said, Ezra's going to get a one-on-one trip with dad before. Oh wait, he already has Florida. Oh my God, he already has before I do. And like, whatever it is, what it is. But that's true. You know, I didn't anticipate that being your answer, but that's actually, that's a really good answer. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I thought I mean, it's the right or wrong. It's just it, I, oh, I'm just, no right or wrong. just thinking in terms of you know the, the challenge. What was the other element to that question? It was about what I'm so proud about with her. No, the most challenging. What's the part? most challenging. Oh, challenge. okay. Having me as a daughter, like no, have I ever given you a run for your money? No, I I, I tell you what, for, maybe for mom, it may be a little bit different, um, but for me, no. And, and and the little bit of challenges I ever had. To me, I was like, yeah, this is cool. This is great, right? She's, she's her own mind. She's her own person, right? And, and, and it's interesting. I think when she's built this whole career, there was no guidance given to her. There's no book. You know, how do you, how do you build this, this empire with Instagram influencing others? And, and just, there's, there's no recipe for that. I had no clue she's talking about Insta. Insta, what? I was barely on Facebook so at that point. so funny. Yeah, so it's just one where... You just have to know or recognize that if she has that much passion and she believes that much in it, you know, she fails. Guess what? It's a tremendous learning opportunity. And I would argue it's probably multiple, a multitude of learning opportunities in that so-called, I won't call it failure, right? But I think as a society, we'd say it's a failure. You know, I don't think it is. It's just another learning opportunity or learning opportunities. What was your proudest like moment? Like a moment, not a general feeling, but just like your proudest moment as a dad. Like a moment you were like, wow, this is gonna that was fucking cool. Or like, wow. wow. This is just like a cop out, but there are so many, you know, start to build your business and start having this tremendous success, right? Like, wow, she's onto something, right? That's a moment. Um, you know, becoming a mom, right? And then seeing how... And it's funny because I always, I always think, God, you know, she's not the most nurturing. She's kind of like me. Absolutely. <laughs> and, you know, doesn't babysit, doesn't like kids. And I'm like, oh, God, you know, how's she going to be as a mom, right? The switch went off. So when it came time to be a mom to her child, absolutely spectacular. So that's another, you know, moment of just being incredibly proud. Buying your first home, building your second home. But I think the overarching thing about the proud, the proudest moment is, is is the fact that during this entire journey that we've shared together was just your relentless uh, pursuit of success. And the success is not the financial success. Obviously, that's a big part of it. I'm not going to, people know you think this guy's clueless about his daughter. Health and wealth. Yeah, yeah. I know that that real important part, but it's also the balance. And I, I, it's interesting. So I, I do think you do a good job at that. You know, I'll speak to you and it's, I don't know, it's two o'clock in the afternoon. Where are you going? I'm going to, I don't know, whatever kind of class you're going to, or getting your hair blown out or something. I'm like, I respect the fact that it brings you balance. Mm-hmm. in your life. So it's an hour or two a day for you yeah. that gives you the energy that at eight o'clock at night, whatever time you lost during the day, you're going to pick up because you never lose sight of the work that has to be done. It's just you do it in maybe, I would say it's a non-traditional way, but you get it done and, and do it very well. So I would say that's probably the thing I'm most proud of is the fact that just the balance that you have in your life, which has been so incredibly successful. Yeah, and um, I do usually get my hair done earlier in the day so that I can pick up Ezra so that I'm already out and then I swing by and pick him. It's all about the 
Yeah. The logistics. Yeah. Oh, the, efficiency. Yeah, it's very, you know, it's efficient. But I always say, like, going to go get a pedicure and, like, like what are you doing? Putting your hair down. I bring my laptop. So, it's, like, yeah. amazing. It's, like, the right. best use of your time to be able to, like, do something like that. But, no, I mean, I was never a procrastinator or an avoider. Never an avoider. No, never. You always made your lists. and Yeah. Your saboteur. You were... So... You're a zero, a saboteur is like this positive intelligence test that I had everyone in my family take after Jordan and I, our life coach, recommended it. And you're a zero, a victim, and zero, avoider. And I'm a, my dad and I have like literally the same results. I'm a zero avoider and a two for a victim. Because we're just like, you don't procrastinate. You don't victimize ourselves. Like someone could shut the door on my face. I'm like, oh, they're probably having a bad day. Always, like, you know what I mean? I'm not all, like, it's not my problem. Like, always assume positive intent. And trust me, when I was yeah. a little bit younger, I didn't have that attitude, right? But as I got older, I certainly realized that, you know what? The vast, you know, there are a lot of jerks out there, but the vast majority of people truly mean positive intent. Now, something that you taught me that I think that like, I have like things that like mom taught me. Number one, always make your own money was the biggest thing that mom always taught me. But number two that, that you had taught me is to always live below your means. Yeah. And I can't say that Seth got that message across. <laughs> but... Poor Seth, he's getting I don't care. <laughs> We're celebrating him all day, it's fine. But it's his birthday, you know? But and it's true. Like, I'm... I've always lived below my means besides when we lived in Chelsea, but I also like had like rashes all day because I was freaking out over how expensive that was. How, like, what does that mean? And can you elaborate on that? Because I think that that life piece of life advice of you should always live below your means is just so important and something that not a lot of people know. Well, I think it comes from the fact that your, your upbringing Right. Um, and probably that the way I was wired, I always wanted a nice, like everyone knows me personally and professionally. I've always been to cars. Right. I remember growing up, we always had, I would describe it as pretty crappy cars 73 Fury, right? No AC, 67 Valiant, all these you know, just cars I was almost embarrassed by. And it's not, no slight to my parents, but it's just one as a child, if you're willing to nice, nice things, right? Because when you have nothing, and you see people have these things, you're like, wow, I want that. Then you realize once you get that thing, it's sort of a thing and, and the whole satisfaction kind of wanes pretty quickly. When I was younger, I knew that if I wanted to have certain things, there were certain sacrifices I'd have to make to get to those things, get those things. And it was one where I didn't, did not find it challenging. However, I will say, coming into like my late teens. And again, where I think sometimes some people are just lucky. Like I got a job in a Teamsters union literally right out of high school, right? I remember so vividly, this was 1981. And by the time I was, Christ, I was 17 and a half. And then by the time I was 18, I was making like $500 a week. So think about that for a second. 1981, yeah. right? $500 a week with un- almost unlimited um, overtime. I was going to school. So when all my friends were going to school, I didn't have anything, right? I had a fair amount of money. Plus, I was still living at home, okay? Now, my mom, and I, I look back, and she, it was a, at that point, I, I did like, didn't like it, but she also needed the money because she had me and, and my, my, my brother that she had to support. And I had to pay her $250 a month. Which when I think about it, at that point, I was, I was so pissed. But you know what? She's paying for a roof over my head, food. And when you think about how much that was compared to what I was making, it wasn't a whole lot of money. So I knew I had to make sacrifices to get to things that I wanted. But I also, at 19, I bought a two-year-old Corvette. Right, so I had some nice things. I, I bought a boat, but I was making a lot of money. I was bartending, all cash. Had very little expenses. I was paying for my own college, which has $35, 40 a credit. I mean, it was so dirt cheap. Uh, 
So I was able to save a, a fair amount of money, which helped later on with you know buying our first house, investment properties, all that type of stuff. Uh, but I was willing to make the sacrifice. Didn't spend money on clothes. Hell, I wore a uniform to work. Right? So think about it. I didn't have to spend any money. And because I was so freaking tired on the weekends, there was no money to be spent you know, on the weekends. And that's why, Rachel, you mentioned me you know, with your brother. And uh, you know, I always think, God, you know, if I was making the kind of money he's making at that, oh, he's older now, but you know, you, you, it, it's good to save for a rainy day. Not that he doesn't, you know, we, we get in his, we get in his face about it all the time. I know he's, he's, you know, a pretty big saver because he's doing well, but he's not, he doesn't save as much as I would or you would. So don't stay on the phone then. This is, this is Seb in a nutshell. I was like, Seb, welcome to like my, what's been my favorite decade so far. Not like I had that many, but like, whatever. I think your thirties are better than your twenties. And he's, and I was like, he's like, yeah, why do you like it so much more? So I was giving him my reasonings. I'm like, you know, like you're more financially secure. Like I had more confidence in myself. He's like, yeah, I'm ready to just spend and spend money. You know, I have so much more money now. Like, what are you like? I was like, no, like you asked Jordan and I how much it is to have a kid the other day. Like, what yeah. did you not remember from that combo? He's like, ha 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 ha. No. Um, yeah, that, 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 that does worry me. Yeah, it's Seth, Seth also knows like what to say just to rally you up. Oh, to be provocative, stir the pot. Agreed. Um, Agreed. So, how would you describe your relationship with Jordan, your son in law, your second son? Absolutely horrible. No, <laughs> no. no it's, it's interesting. Uh, when you think about, and I, I think I've used the word luck several times on this podcast. And, you know, a lot of times you, you make your own luck with certain things. But I said with, with Jordan, I was lucky that you're able to meet someone that has just tremendous love and affection and supportive and nurturing of you. Everything right? that you and I don't have. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. Didn't matter to your father. Yeah. No, but what was, what was interesting was, and, I, and I'll, you know, I've shared this story before, when you had called to say you met this young man at school, and I'm like, oh, wow, great. You know, because you're not one, you were more like a serial dater like some of your friends in high school. You had very few boyfriends. But when I met him, he, it was so unlike what I expected. So unlike what I expected. Uh, just a super cool, laid back, almost a polar opposite of you in a way. Yes. He was super quiet. I'm like, does this guy even talk? <laughs> and there was a period. Of, well, there, well, there was a period of time in my life that I was pretty quiet as well. I was more of the observer. Uh, when I started dating mommy, go to parties and different like you know after work events. I, I just didn't want to speak a whole lot. I want to observe, listen, learn, et cetera. And I thought, so maybe, maybe he's playing the same thing. But I just think naturally that's the way he's, he's wired. And then once he gets comfortable, becomes far more speaking. So I would say the, the relationship, because what's it been now? 14 years. I was, I was, I was, oh, I was going to say 13. I was pretty close. So 14 years, it's like having another son, right? So I get to you know, help him with different tasks, just discuss different things in, in, in life. Help him around the house, you know, without displacing the fact that he's got a you know phenomenal, wonderful father. But how can I augment that and, and be you know a additional source of whatever he needs? So I would describe the relationship as one that I'm incredibly proud to have because I've heard so many stories of the opposite, where you know guys um, their, their daughters married these these individuals that they're not very happy with I'm like how the hell would I deal with that because think about it he was guys were dating a short 19. period of time and he went went to St. Thomas 19. you were dating with six May seven months yeah. you went to St. Thomas with us and had a great time and all those those experiences as you know as he was growing into becoming you know a man doing his own thing it's kind of cool to be able to participate in that and then watching him like your own son transitioning into professional success becoming a dad the father role all those different things so i i christ i i'm blessed i think that the i think that to me this sums it up like if jordan and i will be together till death because you know karen the psychic medium told me that too but (laughs) yeah she I guess you like you say like we weren't. You and my dad would still talk. <laughs> like they would yeah. have a relationship, which I think is really special. Well, I think um, so we use common interest, right? You know, my you know my my, my consumption of mezcal. He loves mezcal, <laughs> right? My, my my passion, you know, recently acquired for golf. I can talk to him about that. So yeah, I'm very very lucky. I I I've, I've like two sons. 
So I, I think I'm I mean, very, we've very, been, we've, I've been part of your family for long enough. For yeah. Yeah. You think about it. Yeah. Never mind the fact that uh, physically there is some uh, resemblance between you and Seth. Yeah. Okay. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole different podcast. I know. All right. Our last question. What do you know now that you wish you knew when you were our age? That's another good question. I know. I wish I mentioned earlier in the podcast about having balance in life. If I had to rewind and start all over again with the same situation, right? Married mom, this and that. And, and, we're, and I would, although everyone's going to say, oh my God, you always seem so chill, calm, cool. I wish I spent more time in the moment enjoying the purity of a lot of things that I was involved with. And not so much work, because work, I did, I did a great job with that. I would say probably more with your brother and all the different sports and driving him, right? Putting huge investments financially and the time, the commitment, the weekends. Enjoyed it. Yeah. But I wish I enjoyed it in a different way. The purity of it, sitting back. And I've had so many you know, colleagues from work who are a little bit younger than I am. And I hear about their daughters and sons doing different sports. And I hear how just excited they are. And I, I've shared so many times about, that's great. Just let them do what they want to do. Provide the encouragement, mm-hmm. right? But be, be the dad, be the mom. Don't be the coach. Because in a couple of cases, I was the coach, right? And that's a very, very difficult situation. So I've had to rewind. We've been enjoying the moments that I had right in front of me that would have brought that much more joy than I got at that point in time. But I, I have very few regrets. I think yeah. back and redoing my, my, my life is very, very few things that I would do differently. That's probably the one is being more patient and just enjoying the moment for what it was, not for what I wanted it to yeah. be. I think it's just because you're really competitive. Yeah. So, oh, you're, yeah. you're probably right. And I guarantee you, any 60 year old guy listening to this podcast. Yeah, I don't think there's many. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, but, but, but if your audience, I guess they share with their dad, uh, even their moms, I've, I've yeah. met many moms who are overzealous about things, is just enjoying it for what it is, right? And just don't take it so goddamn serious. Training. No, I think this is great. Ma, anything you think we missed? No. You didn't talk at all. I know. Aren't you proud of me? No, I'm not proud. I, I just, you, you know, I'm impressed. Do you, do you think we miss anything? Mm, I don't think so. No, this is great. So. This is really good. You know, it's interesting. I was thinking, because you didn't share, for those listening, she did not share anything about what we're going to cover. I never do. And I was thinking, what is it she's going to want to know about me? And I would say probably 80% of what you were asking is what I envisioned. Like, what is the stuff of substance, right? And you did a great job just kind of outlining some of those questions. I think we covered a lot. Yeah. Jordan and I have a good time. Thanks. Yeah, I was going to ask you about your golf game. Um, so let, <laughs> Improving. The, let the listeners know where they could find you. <laughs> What's your Instagram? <laughs> Joe M. Cup Car, what is it? I have no, I have no clue. You're gonna start doing your fitness in. in oh, in I, I, I've, I've recorded a lot of uh, yeah, content. Yeah, that. Yeah. Soon. Yeah. All right, guys. Thank you so much. And Dad, I love you. Thank you for taking the time I love to you do too. this. Thanks for having me. Awesome.